You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Thank you once again for tuning in to another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name, as per usual, Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, tough stretch since last time we spoke. Of course, they do finally get off the schneid. They get the big win against the Columbus Blue Jackets on a Thursday night. And bringing in a very special guest to help us break that win down. And a few other things going on with the Edmonton Oilers right now. Matthew Wanick of TSN 1260. Of course, you can hear him daily on the Dave Jameson Show from noon till 2. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Matthew Awanek. Matt, thank you for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm doing well enough, I guess. It's, it's a bit of a weird time in sports, right? It, Yeah, I mean, we're taping this uh, Friday afternoon. We're seeing NHL teams having their games postponed. The NFL's just throwing everything around. we got, what, a doubleheader on Monday now, two games on Tuesday. Uh, a very, very weird time. In the sporting world, and uh, obviously that's no different for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I guess we'll just get to that right now. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins placed on the COVID-19 protocol. Uh, of course, Devin Shore, Ryan McLeod, head coach Dave Tippett already there. Matty, are, are you worried at all that this might spread through the room? Because I'm just thinking about it. Like, you know, if, if you have it, and it is the new variant, which we, from what they were, were being told, much more contagious. I mean, you're, you're breathing pretty heavy on the bench. You go in the room, you, you're out there for goals, you're hugging, you're high-fiving, like... It, it seems to me that it's almost, it's, it's, it's just gonna happen. Like, it's gonna spread throughout the NHL and we're gonna see a lot more postponements and maybe even here in Edmonton. Yeah, like, in last we heard is the Oilers postponed their flight to Seattle before tomorrow's game just to get some more tests back. I guess I'll take a little bit of the optimistic approach and go, right now it's only one player at a time that's getting it. It's not like we've all of a sudden seen three, four go down. And once you see, like, that, those big numbers jump, then you feel like, okay, now this is going to completely spread through the room like we've seen with other teams like in Calgary. So maybe the Oilers are lucky enough that it's just a few people and maybe they've caught it in time and it won't spread. But um, what we've saw, seen under this new variant is it's much more contagious and it will spread really quickly. And, you know, in, there's there's no way we're going to fully know this, but I don't think it's a surprise that Carolina tests positive with this and somehow they go through Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and all three of those markets and their teams have some sort of COVID cases that they're dealing with. And the Boston Bruins who come through some of those towns after the hurricanes also are dealing with something. I think you could almost connect it. It's potentially all all situated from that one, wherever that started, but why it went through all five of those teams at the very least. And, um, you know, as you pointed out, we're seeing it in the NFL, we're seeing it in the NBA, we're seeing it in the NHL. So uh, it's it's hard to see how this, you know, how we're not going to have to be dealing with this at least for the next few weeks where it's not just the Oilers, but overall in sports, we're just going to have to deal with a lot of postponement or a lot of players out with injury, like no Ryan Nugent Hopkins now tomorrow for the Edmonton Oilers. So it's a very delicate time. Um, but all you hope for is just that one day, at least specifically to the Oilers, where they say there's no positive test. And maybe, maybe then the Oilers now at this moment might get through it. But um, when you're adding one a day, it's, you know, you're, you're kind of on that tipping point of it could either go really bad or maybe you're at the point where it's not going to be that bad. Yeah, and I mean, we went back to, uh, I guess it was Tuesday when uh, Ryan McLeod was, we found out that he was positive and, uh, or being placed in the protocol. And, you know, you wonder just how much that kind of changed the game day routine for the Oilers probably to go back in for testing not sure if they had left the rink or not yet the road sucked it was kind of a hectic day they lose and then you know you find out dave Tippett in the protocol and uh 
you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins today on Friday and uh, Devin Shore on Thursday. Definitely, uh, definitely some, some tough stuff to go through for this team. We'll see how it happens. And, you know, I mean, with Nugent Hopkins out of the lineup for, I don't know, we'll see how many games it ends up being. But, I mean, how does that change your top six? Uh, I mean, do, do you have to go McDavid dry settle on separate lines now? Oh, it's a tough one, I guess, because it's you're not just out Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you're also out Zach Hyman still at the moment, right? Like, if you have Zach Hyman, things are a little bit different, but you're out two of your top six wingers. Um, and with the way Yamamoto's playing, really, when you're coming to the season, you're only have like three, from where the Oilers were to start this year, you only have three top six forwards in your top six. So can you really load up one line and go back to having three lines that are just aren't producing. And, you know, we've seen the results of that from the Oilers, but more specifically when they're playing good teams, that it doesn't go well. But because it's the Seattle Kraken and they're not having the best season, and I know that they've, you know, beat the Oilers in the last meeting, but maybe that's where you, the only option you have is, is to put the best duo in hockey together and really get them going and really hoping that that line just can't be contained or stopped and they drive you to a victory because if you are separating McDavid and Dreisaitl, okay, one of those guys is going to get us a pull but then the other one isn't really going to be getting anyone with them. So it's a very delicate spot for Glenn Gullickson. I don't think there's really a good answer for him um, because if you do go with McDavid and Dreisaitl even, like you're going to have to play them a lot. They're probably going to have to see 25 minutes in the game or something like that because you need them on the ice as much as you can. And the Kraken will get, you know, the advantage when it comes to line changes and stuff. So, you know, just if Zach Kyman was there, I think it changes things. But mm-hmm. with him not there, I think you kind of do have to go with McDavid and Drysdale as much as I don't like the idea of those two just being together. And you have three lines that just aren't going to produce as much as you'd like. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, and if they can go out there and kind of find that touch that they had, um, you know, a week and a half ago, <laughs> obviously it, it might not be so bad. They can put up some points, and you you hope your other lines just don't let you down. But uh, yeah, it's it's certainly going to be tough uh, without Dave Tippett as well. You got uh, kind of uh, the associate coaches making the decisions. Just how much of a loss do you think Dave Tippett is? Uh, you know, actually, it's funny because I, I was intrigued by that as well. And I guess one thing is, like, he could still communicate with the team and he's still talking with the team. So when it comes yeah. to the decisions, he's very much part of it. I talked to Shreddy about that, um, Jason Shredwick, uh, when I was, uh, he was on my show a couple days ago. And he didn't think it was that big of a deal. Like, and if anyone's going to know, it's going to be a player in the room. And he says, you know, just with the communication, everything the way it is right now, he didn't feel like this is a big loss for the team. So I'm not going to sit here and refute a former NHL or a guy who was in the locker room for over 600 games, he knows what it's like to, how important that coach is in that room and uh, to not have him, you know, around, obviously the coach is going to want to be there every day. The coach is going to want to be there, you know, and with the full hands on, but with the day and age that we're living in with Zoom, with all of that um, and the communication you have, and the fact that you do have Glenn Gullison and Jim Playfer on the bench, it's not like we're talking about guys who haven't been around or have never ran a bench or, or been head coaches before. I don't think it's as significant. Obviously, you would like your head coach there because you're tired for a reason. But I don't think it's it's a major loss. I, I think when you're looking with the COVID thing, it's the players that are going down that is way more important than potentially the head coach. Uh, of course, the Edmonton Oilers' big 5-2 win against the Columbus Blue Jackets on Thursday night. And uh, nice to see 
Jesse Pugliarvi get on the board. Uh, very effective net front presence on the power play. Two early goals, but uh, some slump busters as well. Derek Ryan, Brendan Perlini, and Warren Fogel. Uh, it's been a while for all those guys scoring goals. Uh, for Brendan Perlini, first goal with the Edmonton Oilers in the regular season after, of course, he uh, lit it up in the preseason. Um, do you have any optimism that you know maybe there's a little more balance coming to the Oilers' score sheet or do you chalk it up to a team in the Columbus Blue Jackets as the opponent to uh, elite goals on the road? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give I'll be the one that will give some credit. You know, Brandon Perlini goes down to the minors, and um, maybe that got him going. And when he comes back up here, he wants to make sure he stays up here and isn't down, whether it's for a day or whatever. It wasn't a long time, but wants to stay up here. And you know, Warren Fogle is is a good player. I know there's a lot of you know added talk about Ethan Bear trade uh, with Carolina coming to town, but he's a guy that can still produce. And I'm going to take that trade out of it uh, and what everyone thinks and what I think about it still. But you know, he he can still play in the National Hockey. And so I, I look at that and I'll go, hopefully these are guys that are just, I'm not going to say they're going to really get going and start producing every single night with points and, you know, prove that they should be in the top six, but maybe guys that are now getting to the point where what Oilers fans wanted at the start of the year, which is they could come out and they could give you some production every so often. And, you know, the nights that Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid aren't having big nights, they'll step up and they're produced because like you, you talk about those guys producing, we didn't, we're not looking at that game yesterday because of McDavid and Dreisaitl. We're not looking at that win because the two guys were beyond exceptional like we've seen so many times this season. We're talking about how the rest of the team has stepped up and that's how they got out of the six-game losing streak. So uh, I'll take the optimistic view and, and think that maybe there's a little bit of a turnaround with these players who will be able to give just a little bit more for what this team needs, especially on nights when you don't have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl going. But also right now with the fact that you don't have Zach Hyman and Ryan Newton Hopkins, maybe they can produce just a little bit more than we've seen for parts of the season. Uh, Mike Smith uh, looks like he was skating earlier on this week and obviously didn't get back on Thursday, but inching closer and closer. Uh, we know what happens uh, when he's out there. Obviously, you know, you got a guy who can control the puck behind the net. Uh, most nights gives you a pretty solid effort. But just how much do you think he brings to this team, you know, I guess as a leader, as a guy who's out there, you know, the confidence that he instills in them and also, you know, doesn't mind barking at the guys if he has to. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a big deal for the team. I think they actually really rally behind that intensity Mike Smith brings during the game, that that gets them fired up uh, and going. And when he's, you know, barking, it, it's not always um, a negative thing. You know, some people might look at that, why are you yelling at your teammates? If you ever look in, I'll relate this to soccer. Soccer goalies are very known for yelling and screaming and stuff. But if you ever talk to a soccer goalie, that's just because they're trying to relay a message and they're coaching the team. And sometimes it just comes across that they're screaming. I think Mike Smith's kind of like that in that for the Edmonton Oilers. And he brings that added intensity to the team. And when he's playing well as well, I think it really drives his team and um, he kind of leads the team in that way a little bit I, I will just say one thing quickly on Mike Smith that you know he is skating with this team but if you go late last week they said oh maybe he could play this week <laughs> and we're back to a situation where he's skating but we're now keep hearing well maybe next game maybe next game and we've heard this for so long that you know until I see him on the ice that's when I'll believe he's back with the Edmonton Oilers and on the ice by that I mean in any game um, before that, until that happens, like I, I just don't buy anything that the Edmonton Oilers are saying. But it, it's too bad because he's actually very important to this team. And we even saw the start this season; those first two games he had. The third game where he got injured, it wasn't the best. But those first two, he was Mike Smith that we remembered from last year. And this team really needs that. And um, you know, you could talk about all the extra stuff, you know, the intensity, the leadership, or the play with the puck behind the net, or wherever it might be. Um, but really, he's he's a solid goal, and he's the Oilers' starter. 
You know, as good as Michael Koskinen is playing at the start of the year, always felt it's, it doesn't matter when Mike Smith comes back. He's the starter. That's what he was signed for. So uh, I, the Oilers really need Mike Smith because they're the one they're relying on Mike Smith. That's what they say the season was all about, bringing Mike Smith in as the starter, Michael Koskinen, whoever was going to be the backup, and see how things go. So he needs to get back in this lineup sooner, but it just keeps being more worrisome, the fact that he's not out there. Yeah, yeah, we kind of been teased with like, oh, he he might be back yeah. in the lineup soon, and it just, uh, yeah, it just continues to happen that way. We're hearing more and more about it, uh, and and I agree with you a hundred percent on just having a vocal guy back there. And I, you know, I've, I feel like Stuart Skinner might be a little young, still a little uh, kind of new to the team. Mm-hmm. Miko Koskinen doesn't seem like that's his style, but. When I played soccer, uh, I loved when our goalie was vocal. Like it just made things so much easier, put you in your place. Uh, when he wasn't vocal, I knew something was off, and there was a little more concern. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's awesome that you know Mike Smith has that capability. Uh, obviously, uh, keeps his guys in check. And when he's back, um, and and Struddy said this, it, it means a lot more when they're on the ice with you. You know, you can tell them it in the room and at practice, but when they're out there on game day, uh, it means a lot more. Uh, last night during well, the... and just quickly, and, just, and also it's like it's one of those positions where, like in soccer and in hockey, both is the same. The goalie has the best view. Mm-hmm. They're seeing everything. Like the players don't get to see it like a goalie does. So when they could direct or coach things on the ice, it, it just helps the team much more. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you can score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, Connor McDavid, uh, you know, 16 goals on the season, still keeps him top 10 in the NHL. But I thought Gregor had an interesting tweet last night about uh, him having to be a little bit more selfish and, and take those shots. And I agree 100%. That's something I said for a long time. Like, this guy is so good. His shot has gotten so much better. There's times where I want him to be less of a team player and more of a uh, a Kobe Bryant, the mama mentality. Like, I'm better than you. I'm going to take this shot, and I'm probably going to score. Uh, he hasn't scored since December 3rd in Seattle. Now, the good news for the Oilers, they're going back to Seattle. Maybe he can regain his goal-scoring touch. But do you think it's fair to say he needs to be a little bit more selfish? I, isn't that something we've been talking about with him like a lot of his career? <laughs> like I feel like we've often and we'll go until this season started, we've always felt that there were times that Connor McDavid needs to shoot the puck a little bit more. And uh, this year he got off to that hot streak where he was scoring a lot of goals, and then that kind of was put away. And we're all talking about his shot and how he worked it on over the summer, uh, and now he's not scoring again. So it's a little bit of a discussion. I think to a large degree, I agree with that. That yeah, he, he's Connor McDavid. He's the best in the world. You know, he, he may not be the best shooter in the world, and maybe a couple of others, but he's got a damn fine shot and he could score goals that sometimes he's got to be Connor McDavid and go score those goals but at the same time you look at guys like 
Wayne Gretzky. You know, he, he, he was a guy that was more known for, I think, the assists than goals. The guy could score. He's the highest goal scorer of all time. There's no question about that. But, you know, he has more assists than second person in the NHL has uh, of all time has just points overall. He was an assist guy. So I wonder if there's a little bit of Connor McDavid where he sits there and goes, He's got Leon Dreisaitl. He's the goal scorer, and Connor is kind of the playmaker. And I wonder if he thinks that a little bit. And if that's the way it is, you know, who am I to tell Connor how to do things differently? But uh, largely, yeah, at times I think you do want to see Connor shoot more because he's the best player in the world right now. And um, if if he's going to take that shot, you're going to trust that you know the guy has a chance to score because he's Connor McDavid. Uh, Matt, as we're talking right now, uh, just looking at the Twitter here, the Calgary Flames, three confirmed cases of the new variant. Uh, their new general confirmed? manager, uh, sorry? Like new, like new cases or uh, just three confirmed cases, a variant of everything they've had? Three confirmed of the, of the ones they have so far. So I, okay. I don't know if that number is going to grow with this team. Uh, their, their general manager, Bad Tree Living, is speaking with the media. Yeah. Drop this in there. We've got a pretty good three on three team. Remain uh, unaffected by this. So, yeah, I guess you know you gotta you gotta laugh at yourself eventually. Hopefully, hopefully everyone's okay. You know, we don't need to laugh at their pain, but that is uh, not a good thing. I I, I think they had three players available. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the the list with the flames is more who's available and who's not. There's no question about that. Um, yeah, you hope everything's good in the flames, and I know someone who. Um, works within that organization actually and everyone seems to be healthy and good um, you know that there were all these tests so so far though that's the good sign and that's part of this this variant is if you're vaccinated and you catch it it seems to be milder where you're not going to have severe symptoms or anything like that which is the point of the vaccination but it just spreads so quick and um, yeah We've foreseen the results of that. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, just saw, scrolling through Twitter here like, okay, well, at least True Living's having a little bit of a joke here. Uh, man, the NFL, uh, the Raiders and Browns postponed until Tuesday or till Monday. It looks like the Raiders players aren't very unhappy with it. Uh, it's interesting. Of course, you said the Oilers delaying their flight to Seattle. Uh, the next stretch of games for the Oilers, Matty, uh, very important. It's, it starts off with... The Kraken, then they've got the Ducks, the Kings, the Sharks, and the Flames, assuming they're able to play those games. Uh, five straight against the Pacific Division. How do you think this is going to go for the Oilers? I mean, we, we started off the year thinking they could be in the battle for top spots in the Pacific, and then, you know, we had some surprises. Uh, the Flames did very well to start the season, along with the Ducks. Like, where do you think they'll be sitting in the Pacific once this five-game trip, or uh, five game stretch against the Pacific Division wraps up. <laughs> well, who's going to be healthy, who's not? <laughs> Will which, they be playing? Which Flames are going to be there? Which Oilers are going to be there? That's kind of going to determine some of this, I think, a little bit. Um, but overall, it's, it's it's a fine question, and I wish I could give you an, a, some sort of insight or an answer to that, but I don't think I can. And I'm taking the variant out of this, for instance, just for now, because this is a team that we saw get off to a great run, a 9-1. and one. You know, Mika Koskin was fine enough in that. They were getting the production from quite a few players. You know, even Ryan Nugent Hopkins was producing. Um, but McDavid and Drysdale were out of this world. The power play was clicking at an incredible rate, and uh, things were going so well. But then we've seen, you know, before the win yesterday, the team, while they lost six straight for a stretch before that even they weren't playing well and they were in the lineup and there were injuries to the defense but um you know goaltending wasn't fully there and and i don't know what this team is i feel it's so weird now to think that because they're not as good as they were to that start but i don't think they're as bad as they were over this last little stretch so what are they and 
I, I that's where I, I feel like over this next stretch, like I could see them continually to go a little bit of on a losing streak because we just, you know, based on recency bias, that's what we saw taking away, you know, one win in seven games. But at the same time, if you think back to earlier this year, this is a team that could easily turn things around, I think, and maybe have the plan there that they can sweep these five games and everything's fine in Edmonton. So I really don't know, but I think this is a very defining time for who the Oilers are this year because if they keep losing these hockey games, changes are going to have to come. There's going to have to be something that happens. I don't know if that's a coaching change. I don't know if that's a trade. I don't know what that might be, but something's going to have to change. But if they turn things around and start winning hockey games, then, okay, this team's going to play out of it, and they'll be fine going moving forward, and we'll get back to talking about playoff talk with this team. Um, so I don't know where it will go, but I think it's very defining for who they are moving forward in the rest of this way. Now, you, you kind of talked about trades potentially, and I, I, I know during that stretch it was brought up quite a bit. Some people saying, you know, you need more help in the top six on the wing. Bottom six, Steph, you could add a blue line or maybe help between the pipes. Uh, if you're Ken Holland, is there is there a priority for you when it comes to looking to make trades? Goaltending is the easy one to say, but I don't think you're getting that goaltender of the future during this season. I, I, and also you still kind of want to see what Mike Smith could do this year. But I don't think you're going out and being able to get that goalie that you're going to be excited for for the next four or five, six years. So I don't think that's something that you're going to be able to get done this year. You know, a lot of people thought John Gibson would be the guy that you're going to go get. Well, I don't think the Ducks are moving him anytime soon. Um, so then it's, do you need to make some changes to your defense? Do you go a forward group? And, you know, I guess to a degree, when they were healthy, the defense was okay. But, you know, with the play of Kyler Yamamoto this year, you know, what, seven games now, unless he got a shot late last night, seven games, you know, where he doesn't have a shot. You kind of want to add a little bit of, of scoring up there. It's funny because, you, you know, those were supposed to be solved this summer. This summer they were supposed to solve the defense and the scoring, and we're still talking about that now. Um, if I had to go with a priority, because you have Mike Smith, you know, you don't know what you're getting back with him. You don't know about Miko Koskin, Stuart Skinner. I would be one that would always defer to defense over offense because defense wins you championships or defense wins you series and things like that. So I would go defense and then scoring if I had to prioritize it. Matt, uh, we are getting a little bit closer to the World Juniors here. Of course, Xavier Borgo will represent Canada for the Edmonton Hockey fans. Four Edmonton Oil Kings will be there. Uh, I, I asked Hernan Salas about this on, I think, whatever, Monday or Tuesday. Not the biggest World Juniors fan. Uh, you're going to be down at the rink doing some work there, on-site engineering. How fired up are you for these World Juniors? Uh, I'm pretty fired up. You know, it was. Uh, it's always fun. It's a holiday tradition, you know get going and watching Ken and seeing what they can do. And it's exciting to watch um, some players, you know, and, and, you know, early in their careers, like I'm a big Edmonton Trappers fan when they were here. One of the reasons was because you got to see people before they were stars in the majors. And that's what you get with the world juniors. It's also just fun hockey because, you know, we're watching an 82 game NHL grind and sometimes nights they're just not there, but with the world juniors, they bring it every night. And also it's mistake filled. And, when it's mistake-filled hockey, it leads to odd man rushes or it leads to great scoring chances. And it's just a fun energy. And these players will come out and they want to impress scouts. They're going to make the, you know, go hit. So the World Juniors is always just some fun hockey to watch. Like, you just take away your country, your love of Canada and all that out of it. You know, when Canada takes on Finland or Russia and the U.S. or Sweden meet, they're always fun games and you never know what's going to happen. Because like I said, it's just got that mistakes in it that just add to the the intensity, add to the excitement, add into the entertainment. So I'm pretty excited to watch some more juniors up close and personal this year. Were you the guy who Boxing Day always had it on? 
Oh, yeah. Well, it starts with Spangler Cup, though, Boxing Day. Well, it depends on where the World Juniors is, but I always loved watching the Spangler Cup yeah. for the opposite, which is you loved watching the players that you watched in the NHL. I'm like, oh, I remember him. Where are they playing now? And then you'd always watch the World Juniors, you know, get pumped for Canada taking on whoever. But I still miss the days when it was on Christmas Day. And like they would like Canada would take on France and beat them like eleven nothing or something. And you throw that on while you're opening a presents or something like that. So uh, without question, it's just Boxing Day. I never was a shopper. I never was the one that went out to go buy gifts. My mom, my brother, they would go out and or buy whatever. Um, they would go, and my dad and I would always stay home and we'd watch hockey all day or college football. I'm with you. College bowl season. Uh, what's your favorite bowl game? My favorite bowl game. I always love which. which I haven't. I should have went through the list of the names again this year. I always love looking for the bowl game names and finding like the uh, the Beefo Brady's, you know, <laughs> Boca Raton Bowl or something like that. Right now, there's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. I think that both my Washington State Cougars and my Miami Hurricanes are playing in this year. Um, what's my favorite bowl? Game? I don't know if I have an exact favorite. I love the first Saturday tomorrow yeah. because there's like five games and it's it's teams you never watch. You know, I never watched it. I just finished watching the Middle Tennessee taking on Toledo in the Bahamas Bowl. Um, so I just love watching. I don't have a specific bowl I like. I like just watching the early ones where it's universities I didn't watch all year. And then there's something about the Rose Bowl. Like, I have to, like, it's the Rose Bowl. You always have to stop and watch the Rose Bowl because it means something. Well, uh, I mean, the Boca Raton Bowl is tomorrow morning, if you're uh, going to be tuning is into it? that one. Yeah, yeah. Appalachian State versus Western Kentucky. Oh, geez. That, that's <laughs> going to be a fun one, then. 9 a.m. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl. <laughs> that's always a good one, because they get the bowl of potatoes at the end. <laughs> well, wasn't there, like, a mayonnaise one? Was that one that I just made up in my head, maybe? Um, no, I think there was a mayonnaise one. This year, there's a Jimmy Kimmel-sponsored one. Um, I always love the cheese it Bowl game. I don't know yeah. if the cheese it Bowl game is back this year. I was tweeting at them last year. We were exchanging some tweets. Somehow I, I was tweeting them. My favorite part is that they get the box of cheese it after and they just pour it on themselves like as they're trying to eat it. So that's part of the thing I love at the end. Oh, what was the one the one year? There was, uh, there was like a lawnmower company that sponsored one. And in the days before the bowl game, like the two teams went at it on a, in like lawnmower races. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, I'm a big what, fan of that. Yeah, what I do love, too, is watching, like, so I'm watching the Bahamas Bowl game today, and they're in the Bahamas, which is pretty cool. But then there's always, like, a game in Detroit. And I always sit there and think about the universities and, like, the players. Like, you get drawn in all these bowl games. Some get to go to these, like, beautiful locations. And then some are going to Detroit and what they're thinking. Uh, yeah, okay, so the Duke Mayo Bowl is the Duke one. Mayo. Uh, the Pinstripe Bowl. That's played at Yankee Stadium, right? Like that one. Yes. That one is cool. I, there was an old Sports Illustrated article in it. I think it was like 2002, 2003. Um, and, and it was talking about the prizes or like the gift baskets that players got at each bowl yeah. game and the big ones. Like he got like a PS2 or something. It was awesome. And then, you know, the smaller ones, it was like a Game Boy Color and uh, <laughs> a gift card to Outback or something. Yeah. I remember uh, it, it was interesting. And yeah, you're right. Like some of these bowl games, so prestigious, so cool. And some of them are just in this small little dump. And oh, there's a Fenway Stadium one this year, too, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's both of those baseball stadiums, I think, have one. And years ago, there used to be one uh, in San Francisco at, I don't know what it's called now, but ATT Park, where it used to be. Um, yeah. There's always, and this thing where they go, it's, I don't know, it's always fun. I don't know. It's just a great, over Christmas, you never know. You throw it on TV, you throw whatever game on, and you watch it. And then, 
you know, New Year's if there's no NFL because they don't play on NFL Sundays on those other ones. You just watch the Peach Bowl and the yeah. Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, and it's just a fun day of yeah, I remember being like in kind of like grade 10, 11, 12. We'd go down to Palm Springs. My grandma had a, a house down there. So we'd go spend Christmas with her every couple of years and like you'd throw on ESPN, bowl game. And it was just like nonstop. It was awesome. It's a fun time. Uh, even though, you know, there's also hockey to watch, lots of college football, NFL, NBA. It's going to be a weird, weird next couple of weeks here with the, uh, the new variant of COVID-19, but, uh, it'll be interesting as well. Matthew, thanks so much for hopping on today. Really appreciate it. No worries. Talk to you later. Absolutely. Have a good one. There you go. That is Matthew Iwanek of TSN 1260 in Edmonton. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Matthew Iwanek or listen to him Monday through Friday on TSN 1260. He is one half of the Dave Jameson Show. Quick shout out to Dave Jameson. Can't wait for him to be back in studio. And that's going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings, of course. Sign with today. Make sure to use promo code THPN when you do so. The Oilers back in action on a Saturday night, taking on the Seattle Kraken, hopefully, unless something comes up uh, as of uh, 1.45 on Friday. It looks like the game is still a go. Of course, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, in case you missed it, was placed into the league's COVID-19 protocol. Uh, assuming the game goes, tune in to TSN 1260, 6.30. Pre-game coverage with Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself. That's Saturday evening. Thank you guys once again for tuning into the show today. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.